Welcome to Cattle Connect, your insight into Alabama's beef cattle industry. I'm your host, Kayla Greer, and this is Cattle Connect, brought to you by the Alabama Cattlemen's Association. Welcome to the Cattle Connect podcast and to the busiest 105 days in downtown Montgomery. In addition to all the pre-convention rush that's happening here in the office, Aaron Beasley and myself also kicked off the 2024 Alabama Legislative Session this past Tuesday as we welcomed lawmakers back to town. Speaking of Erin, she is in studio with me today to tackle this topic. Erin, welcome. Hey, Kayla, are you tired yet? A little bit. Well, yeah, that's kind of how we are this month and next month and probably the month after, but uh, happy to jump on today and we get to tackle legislative priorities. So that's always important for our members, so happy to be here today. Before we lay into those topics and priorities, Erin, you guys had a busy last week in Orlando last week at CattleCon, and there was a lot of buzz around a resolution relating to traceability. Where did that land? Yeah, we got a lot of calls and a lot of inquiries uh, about uh, proposed resolution as we went into the week, and uh, really happy to report to members that you know feel like we came out about as good as we could. Um, we went into that. Of course, we have policy, uh, a position on animal disease traceability, and, you know, we want to work within the confines of the current law, which is mature cattle, exhibition cattle, but we do not, we do not want to talk about anything related to feeder calves, and so the resolution that was proposed going into the week, it did uh, include language about putting electronic identification and feeder calves down the road here, and uh, after a good bit of work in the hallways with a lot of the state affiliates and the state associations. Um, really good resolution came out of that that we were all agreeable to and Alabama did vote in favor of it and it's because it aligned with our policy which is operating within the confines of the current animal disease trace- traceability rule which is for mature cattle. So happy with that. Um, I think our members, you know, it, it's one of those good examples of, you know, if, if you want to be involved you need to be there and you need to be active and it was a good collective effort specifically from the cow-calf states for us to get involved and, and try to land in a good position. I feel like we did. All right. So just to clarify, no feeder calves, right? Yeah, we're not talking about feeder calves right now, which is uh, going to be the position that we maintain, I think, for quite a, quite some time. Yep. Us and our friends at other cow-calf states banded together to work those hallways like Aaron mentioned. So thanks for reviewing that. I know there was a lot of chatter on the countryside around that resolution. So um, thanks for clearing that up. We've had a lot of questions. So Moving right along, coming back to the state of Alabama, before we get into the nitty-gritty of this um, year's session, I thought I'd mention just some basic mechanics of the regular session. I told Aaron before we started recording this podcast, you know, I thought this was important because until I started working the halls of the state house, I didn't know some of these basic things. So when I get you guys on the same page as us, and when we say session, that's when lawmakers have 105 calendar days to meet and conduct business for a total of 30 days in the chamber. So out of 105 days, which run from February 6th, this past Tuesday, through, I believe, May 22nd, they can transact official business for 30 of those days. Usually it's a two- or three-day week, with several committee meetings taking place in there as well. And there's a few built-in breaks, which is what spreads those 30 days across the course of three months instead of just 30 days. In that time, they have to pass the state's budgets for the next fiscal year. That is the main goal. Anything else is gravy, and boy, let me tell you, there is a lot of gravy going on this year. Erin, let's start with some of the big topics floating around the hallways as we round out the first week of session. Well, there's definitely a lot of big topics, um, and, you know, it's probably important for us to just start this this conversation off by saying, 
we don't take a position on everything. There, there's not a need for us to. However, for us to effectively do our job, Kayla, we do have to stay abreast of what's going on in the session, even if it doesn't relate to us. I, I think you've probably learned that in the last session. Yeah, I mean, you have to know what the talk is about if you're going to be in the in the state house. Yeah, and you know, when you're there, you get looped into a lot of things. So just because we're talking about it today does not mean we have policy positions. But let's just go through a couple of these big things that are hitting in this first week. First one, and hey. <laughs> I've dealt with this topic for several years now, every year except for last year, gaming. Uh, you know, it's back up again because nothing has passed in the past years. And so uh, gaming is one of the first things that's popped up this session. Um, and so we did see this week a comprehensive gaming bill that dropped in the House actually today. Yes. Um, and so that's been dropped and uh, that will be, uh, it'll start on its adventure to see if voters in Alabama will be able to vote on gaming in November. So we'll see where that goes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that legislation, since it is regarding a constitutional amendment, that means that there has to be three-fifths approval by lawmakers to move forward, correct? It's not just a majority vote thing. Yeah, that's right. That that one, any any kind of CA constitutional amendment means three-fifths votes of, of the lawmakers in both the House and the Senate to move along. So in the event that you see this legislation might pass and you start seeing headlines, don't go looking for a lotto ticket just yet. That means that um, it will go to a vote of the people on the November ballot. That's right. And that bill will probably be amended a good bit as we go through the session. So it's really hard to tell right now where that might land or if it'll even pass. Um, We don't have a position on it, but it's definitely taking up a lot of conversations in the hallways. The 81st annual ACA Convention and Trade Show is headed to Huntsville February 23rd and 24th. Join us for Alabama's largest beef cattle industry event. Register now at BamaBeef.org. So the second big bill that we've seen drop this week is, you know, another topic we've had a lot of talk about in the last last couple of sessions, but it has to do with school choice. And so uh, the Choice Act uh, dropped this week and Senator Orr in the Senate uh, dropped it along with Representative Garrett. Both of them are education uh, budget chairs, so it's interesting that they have the bill, uh, which is our understanding it's uh, out of the governor's office. So that was alluded to in Governor Ivey's State of the State address this week. So give us a little background on that one. Yeah, right next to gaming, school choice is all the talk in the hallways. And it, it was during last session as well. School choice, unlike gaming, um, was a big topic in last year's session. And, and it carried over into this year's. So there's a lot of support behind it, but there's also a lot of questions. But House Ways and Means Education Chair Representative Danny Garrett made a notable comment about it. The other day at an event that Aaron and I attended, and it stuck with me, uh, to paraphrase what he said, it's basically if you're not a supporter of school choice, you should like this bill because it's prudent and fiscally responsible. Those were his words. And if you are a supporter of school choice, then you should like this bill because it makes way for parents to have that choice for their children in a prudent and fiscally responsible way. So overall, the CHOOSE Act, if passed, would appropriate no less than $100 million dollars to award families through a tax credit. Families would be allowed to use up to $7,000 per year on private education and up to $4,000 for homeschool programs. Yeah, and you know, Kayla, there's gonna be a, there's a couple of caveats in this original bill. Again, it's probably gonna get amended a good bit as it kind of travels through this process, but you know, overall we're looking at a tax credit that would allow you to send your child to a public school outside of the zone district. And I know, you know, for me and you, for where we live, you know, this is something that could actually impact us. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on it for sure. Yeah, I am too. Um, And I I know it'll, you know, it has the potential to impact a lot of our members. Again, we don't have a position on it, but we're certainly watching it just to see how it lands because, you know, we could get questions about it. 
Um, and, you know, it's probably worth noting that just in the legislative offseason, we heard both the governor's office and the lieutenant governor, you know, they put these as priorities because they've heard from constituents. And it's definitely, you know, been a topic that's been big in our state the last few years. Yeah, like we mentioned, it's something that we're keeping an eye on because it could greatly affect our members, especially in rural Alabama. Um, but we don't have policy to support a position on this. But like gaming, we are keeping an eye on it. Yep. And so I guess probably the third big thing, and, and we heard this, uh, Governor Ivy gave her State of the State address uh, this week on, on Tuesday night, uh, right as the se- session kicked off. And, um, you know, she was quick to, you know, she got her budgets and they moved over to the State House. And so they were dropped uh, this year. So each year, the budgets start in a different chamber. And so this year, the Education Trust Fund will start in the House, and then the General Fund is going to start in the Senate. And so they'll, they swap that off uh, each year. But uh, a lot of members may not know it, but we've got a lot of items in both of those budgets that we watch. Obviously, you know, those budgets are created uh, based off of tax collections, ad valorem taxes, sales abuse, all these things that, that we, um, you know, that we pay into as constituents in the state. And uh, that money is appropriated in a lot of different ways. And so the general fund is typically going to be used for a lot of the agencies. Like for us, you know, we want to look at what is in the Department of Agriculture's budget and trying to help them with things that they need in order for us to have a safe food, food supply system in the state. And then on the education side, the education trust fund, obviously that's our kids' educations, but it also is our, our university systems. It's going to be the community college systems. It's going to be programs like career tech programs. And so there's a lot of things in there that we're certainly watching and, you know, just trying to help, help along within those programs. The last couple of years, we've had a few that are particularly important to us. It includes uh, the livestock judging coach at Auburn University, as well as a youth livestock coordinator. And so those are two line items in that education trust fund, and they greatly impact, uh, you know, animal science programs and just the ability for youth to get involved. So, you know, those are things that I think people probably don't think about a lot, but there are several line items in there. You know, it could be something, Kayla, like the soil and water group. You know, the, they had a line item last year for feral hog programs to try to deal with feral hogs. That's something that affects a lot of our members. Yeah, we see them in the state house all the time advocating for those funds, you know. And, and something else, you know, that people don't think about, some a program like Sweetburn Alabama, it has to be funded each year in the budget. So those are line items that we're always keeping an eye on. The agri-science education program that funds FFA throughout the state, those are each individual line items that come out on the budgets, whether it be on the general fund side or the education trust fund side, that we're keeping an eye on to make sure that that funding stays intact. Yep. Um, So those are important. And so we'll be watching those. So yeah, those are the three biggies. So I guess we need to move along to, let's talk about some ag bills now. Yeah. So those are all the non-ag bills that we're keeping an eye on because of their ripple effect on our membership. But now, Erin, let's um, chat about some of the pieces of legislation that we're particularly behind. First up, let's talk about Senate Bill 73, or the Livestock Fencing Tax Exemption, which is being carried by our friend Senator Jack Williams out of Mobile County, and I believe I counted correctly when it's co-sponsored by 23 other senators. Erin, what's this bill accomplish? Yeah, we've been working on this bill. This will be the second year now, and one thing that we noticed is, uh, you know, Alabama, luckily, we have a lot of sales tax exemptions for agriculture, but one thing that was noticed is that we we currently don't have fencing materials in that sales and use tax exemption, and so we're working on behalf of our members to try to get fencing materials put in there, and that would be general materials like T-post, wire, you know, things that you need to build a good fence for your livestock, and it's for livestock producers. And so um, we feel like this is a good one for our members. 
Now that's the what, but you know my favorite question to ask is why. So why are we working so hard to get this across the finish line? Well, you know, first of all, we all know that uh, in agriculture we've seen a really large rise in input cost, and that affects the bottom line for our producers in terms of profitability. Um, we also noticed that, quite frankly, there's a lot of states that have fencing materials in their sales tax exemption. And so, um, you know, it, it can affect us with those around us and surrounding states, um, you know, being able to take advantage of that. And so, you know, in the end, it, it really is a good thing for our members. And it's something that really makes a lot of sense and would really complete that ag sales tax exemption. You know, we don't like to see our folks going across state lines to purchase materials. We'd rather them visit our local feed stores and co-ops and places that sell that fencing material. So that's just a, a way to keep that revenue here in the state. We hope you're enjoying this week's podcast, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Get benefits like this and so many more to stay connected to Alabama's beef cattle industry today by visiting us online at bamabeef.org join. As we're nearing the end of our discussion here, let's talk about another piece of legislation that directly impacts our industry, one that's being carried by Senator Jack Williams, um, and that's a consumer protection bill that bans the sale or distribution of cell-cultured food products, if you want to call it that. Um, SB 23. Erin, what is that bill about? Yeah, we've we've dealt with uh, cell-cultured products. You know, as these new products, protein products, move into the marketplace, uh, there's there's a lot of talk about them, both at the federal and state level, and so our, our friend Senator Williams is uh, he has dropped a bill that, as you said, it would it would ban the sale and distribution of these. And a couple of years ago, in 2017, we we actually passed a bill that would um, really define these products. You know, our, our main concern, Kayla, and, and you know this, we don't want these called called meat. We don't want them called beef. That's not what they it's are. It's not what it is. It's not what it is. You know, we want that truth in the labeling so that when consumers go to buy it, wherever they're buying it, May not be in Alabama based on this bill, but they know what they're buying. And so we have, you know, the code of Alabama that defines that as a food product and it's not called beef. It's not called meat or anything like that. And so, um, you know, that that bill, we'll see we'll see uh, how it goes, but really appreciate our friend Senator Williams, you know, for his concern over that and just maintaining the integrity of our beef products that our that our members work so hard to produce. Yeah, that's right. And Word on the street is that it might come up in committee next week, so stay tuned. We'll keep you all abreast of those issues and uh, reports on those bills as they come through. But last but certainly not least is a bill that we're watching because of its direct effect on landowners. Uh, Representative Philip Pettis from Alabama's northwest corner, I think he's out of Killen, is carrying um, HB 73. It's called the Real Property Tax Assessment. We expect a similar version in the Senate soon, but why is this one important to watch? Well, Lieutenant Governor Ainsworth, uh, who, a little plug here, speaking at the convention next week uh, yes. for the Cattlemen's Luncheon, but uh, Governor Ainsworth, he, he outlined this as a priority going into the session, and it's something that, you know, certainly makes us happy from the from the association standpoint, but I've gotten a lot of calls over the last few years, you know, as, as uh, land is reassessed and reappraised, um, we've, we've had significant tax increases really in a lot of our rural counties too. And so that's not necessarily done on a year to year basis, but when it's done, these, these hikes have been pretty big. And so, yeah, we're not talking like two or 3%. We're talking like 20% sometimes. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard, you know, eight to 10% or something. And so um, that, that's an unexpected cost obviously. And so um, our friend uh, representative Pettis, he's got a bill that actually puts um, a 3% uh, 
cap on the increase for ad valorem tax when you go through the reappraisal process. And that's for uh, the 3% is on class three properties, which, you know, Kayla is going to be our ag land. And yes. so, um, so that, that one is something that I think could really affect a lot of our members. It's, it's a, it's a really good bill for us from a land ownership standpoint and just, you know, private property ownership. And so um, we'll definitely be, we're supportive of that one and, and one that we want to see get across the finish line. And there you have it. With only 27 days left to go in the session, there will be a lot more that comes up, we imagine. But this gives you our current watch list after just one week. We plan to keep you all updated throughout the session, but that line of communication does work both ways. If you have questions or concerns, please call our office and chat with Aaron or myself. We are happy to talk with you on local or statewide topics. Kayla, as I always say, we don't know about it if we don't know about it. So please call and chat with us. Yeah, that's right. So never hesitate to make that call. And if you want to come spend a day with us at the State House, please come on. We'd love to show you around. There's nothing like a good crisp cowboy hat walking around the halls of the State House. I think we saw one this week, didn't we? Yes. We met a gentleman. We did. Yeah. He ended up coming by the building and visiting the museum after the fact. So yeah. excited about that. <laughs> All right, that sound means it's time for Fast Facts, and we mean fast, because this week's episode ran a little bit longer than usual. Erin, what you got that we want folks to know before they go? Well, the convention is right around the corner, and we really need folks to register, especially if you plan to eat some good beef with us. Uh, get registered today. Visit BamaBeef.org and check out the whole convention schedule. Guys, this one's for you, particularly. Next week is Valentine's Day. I don't know what day, Kayla, maybe Wednesday? gosh days what are days anymore i think it's wednesday february 14th whatever day that is february 14th here's a good idea for you treat your sweetheart to a steak and if you want to little quick hitter here grab you a t-bone or a porterhouse probably need the porterhouse she can have the filet while you eat the strip just saying and then finally the third one sle rodeo tickets are on sale we need to go ahead and get you a call in and jump it online to sleradio.com you can grab tickets while they are available because if you wait till the day of, you probably won't get the tickets that you, you want. You might have a, a little line to stand in. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and get those tickets. Well, there you have it. Be sure to come back next week as Aaron and I deep dive into one of the ACA's most unique facets as an organization. We'll be talking about the museum. We'll see you next time. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Cattle Connect, brought to you by the Alabama Cattlemen's Association. Be sure to subscribe to get notified when our next episode goes live. And until next time, remember, beef, it's what's for dinner.